Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, the host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. We have a very special guest with us today uh, on this podcast. Um who is the CEO of E1, the new electric uh, boat racing series uh, that um, is a part of the Formula One family. So very excited uh, to bring in Roddy Basso and uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing from him uh, in this week's episode. Well, hello folks. This is Jeremy Evans, the host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. This is episode three of season five. We have a wonderful guest with us today, Roddy Basso. He is the co-founder and CEO of E1. And what is E1? E1 is a brand new electric boat racing series. And uh, this is going to be a fantastic interview with a fantastic individual who has uh, an engineering background and just so glad that... um, that he's uh, he's he's agreed to join join us today to have a conversation about his sports background and engineering background and what E one is all about. So, Roddy, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you for the invite. Very glad to be here. Wonderful. So, the first thing I noticed, uh, Roddy, is that you're Italian, which I love. So that's <laughs> that's terrific. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your background, like how, so I guess maybe two part, tell us a little bit about your background uh, with engineering and racing and, uh, and then uh, let's get into a little bit about what E1 is all about. Yeah, sure. So uh, being incredibly lucky to, um, you know, uh, grow in Italy and um, be very curious about so many technical and technology aspects uh, uh, since the the very young age. Um, So to uh, follow these passions, I decided to uh, become an aerospace engineer. I have been raised to trying to distinguish myself. And so I always try to look for very complicated stuff to pursue and to achieve. And uh, when I read about the definition of aerospace engineering uh, that was uh, in Italy, in my hometown, in the university of my hometown, which is Naples, um, and the aerospace engineering uh, is 
basically the meeting point of mechanical engineering, aeronautical engineering, engineering and uh, electronics. So I say, okay, I don't really understand what it what is all about. I mean, it must be something very challenging and uh, uh, and then uh, you know uh, very satisfying. Uh, so I decided to sign up, and I, of course I went through uh, all the exam, and I had uh, the incredible luck to develop the thesis in USA, in uh, NASA, close to Washington, D.C., at the NASA Goddard Space and Flight Center. And there was a very pioneering uh, thesis uh, using a justly classified uh, hardware, electronics, uh, for onboard of satellite data analysis. So so was all very cool and so uh, so exciting, I have to say. Then, uh, you know, I was there and NASA, they come after the thesis, uh, they offered me a, a job. So I kept working on uh, uh, onboard data processing to the point I decided as an Italian to send the resume in Ferrari, uh, in particular, the Ferrari Formula One team uh, to trying to get into this uh, incredible company, a uh, huge brand. And as an Italian, uh, of course, Ferrari has been always perceived like a, a great opportunity to grow and to evolve yourself as a person, as a professional. And in a way or another, they got me in. So they were looking to build the test team. And I started as a data engineer, which is uh, the, the figure uh, that he has to... Um, analyze data and uh, um, make sure that you get the best out of the car machine uh, binomium. And so this is where I started my motorsport career in Formula One, which then uh, kept going with the uh, Red Bull Formula One race. After I won uh, five world championships in Ferrari, also in Red Bull was a different experience because the topic is, of course, was the same, but Red Bull was a very young team uh, that has been funded on the back of Jaguar Formula One team. And uh, everything had to be started and developed for almost from, uh, from scratch, or at least with a very strong uh, page turn uh, from the previous configuration. Uh, and so it was an incredible satisfaction to get the first podium in Red Bull with David Coulthard, the driver that I was working for, and put the basis for the following uh, wins and championships uh, that Red Bull uh, achieved during uh, uh, the following years. So that was amazing. Well, I would say that all my background uh, is very much based on this uh, 10 years experience between, of course, the educational side and university and the Formula One experience. And if I put these two experiences together, uh, I have to say that this is uh, really what is uh, uh, shaping all uh, the following days from uh, that phase onwards. I decided to move more into the business side, the entrepreneurial side. And so I first started up a company uh, to build uh, a championship for a customer, which was called A1GP. So we were the program manager. We also had a uh, simulator to train engineers, to train uh, drivers, and also to simulate all the electronics as in a digital twin 
for the championship we were program manager for. And, and then Magneti Marelli, who was involved in this uh, startup project, called me in the sales and marketing department. And I have to say, of course, this was a huge switch from a technical work to a sales and marketing. By I always uh, had this entrepreneurial approach. And uh, again, since I will always be seeking things that I don't really know to grow and know more and uh, improve myself, I always enjoyed looking at the same industry and the same application from all the possible different angles. Uh, and I have to say, if you do sales and marketing in a proper way, uh, it is one of the most important functions of a company and because it's all based on how the customer can perceive the value of what you're selling. And to understand this and to optimize this, you really need to understand your customer, understand the people you work with, um, and then trying to connect the dots between the technology, the product, and the need out there in order to make a winning product or service. So I always look at this like a very humanistic uh, topic, if you see what I mean. Right. Then I kept going, and uh, McLaren called me to lead the motorsport division. And that's what I've done for uh, four years, from 2016. And again, McLaren, another huge brand, incredible company, incredible group. And uh, I was working for McLaren Applied. That is the section developing technologies for all possible different fields. But I was still working on motorsport as, uh, let's say, the front runner of all the experiments that then could be transferred into other commercial use, such as automotive, aerospace, trains, healthcare, and so forth. So... I have to say, if I, I mean, every time I have these sort of uh, interviews and podcasts, uh, feeling very, very lucky for uh, the journey so far, uh, and I'm still enjoying uh, what I'm doing now as a, as a consequence of all these experiences. That's wonderful. No, Roddy, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I, I one thing in your bio that really stuck out to me, obviously, one, your engineering background. And your explanation of it shows how important engineering is to racing because things have to be aerodynamic. Uh, you have to understand how the car works or how um, or how the boat works. Uh, and of course, all those things come together. But I, what I loved is as well was this point that you were walking along, uh, walking along the river in London. And uh, I think it's the Thames River, right? Yeah, correct. And uh, sometimes people pronounce that wrong, but hopefully I got it right. And yeah. uh, it's you were walking along the river with uh, Alejandro Agag, and uh, who, of course, he is the CEO of Formula One, right? Well, um, to be precise, Alejandro is the father of Formula E and Extreme E. So Formula E is like Formula One, but fully electric. That's right. So he's a pioneer because after so many years of success, and still Formula One is very successful, but he uh, got a license for 25 years to be the only one who can build world championship for open wheels in with a full electric propulsion or sustainable propulsion. And so uh, he, he's been from the beginning involved in this uh, huge success. Wow. No, it's, it's awesome. And of course, he's he's been an innovator himself. And the, the fact that the two of you were able to get together as friends um, – you know, during your work at McLaren, 
And then as you're walking along the river, you came up with this idea of this electric racing championship on the water. And, you know, it's interesting because I think boating in general, particularly uh, um, sort of of the racing variety, has somewhat, you know, fallen off in popularity. But we've seen this resurgence with Formula One through the Netflix series, Drive to Survive. We've obviously seen Formula E be very successful. And I have no doubt in my mind that E1 with this new race uh, race boating series is going to be very successful. So um, just a really big congratulations to you guys. I'm, I'm very excited to watch this. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. You are very kind. And uh, I must say, this is the feedback that we hear from so many people, companies, groups. Um, we are uh, attracting incredible brands uh, in terms of uh, sponsorship conversation. Um, I have to say, we are basically a startup or a well-funded startup, but still in the very beginning of our journey. Our championship will start in December this year. And of course, it's very difficult to sell something that uh, is not happening. You see what I mean? In the meantime, the vision and you know the pillars of our mission are so strong and so much needed. Because again, going back to the humanistic approach, we, go we went deep into the human needs, which is do something for these such important ecosystems like the water is. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, finding uh, agreements and interest uh, is very straightforward. Right. No, I agree. Because as much as, as as exciting as, you know, E1 is going to be, you're right. It's it's also going to be, you know, better for the environment as opposed to, you know, fossil fuels um, and, and provides an alternative. And, and what I've sort of seen in development, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is that uh, that. Uh, the electric aspect to racing has really made it not only more efficient, but a lot of times these, these vehicles or boats are faster um, and, and potentially even safer. So I, I'm just really excited for you guys. I, you know, I also noticed too, that you, if you've got some really good partners involved, uh, Rafael Nadal, obviously the, 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 the tennis champion and pro and very well known is, has uh, signed on with you guys as well. Right. Yes, correct. I mean, we announced it uh, last week and uh, Rafa is, a, of course, a sport legend. Uh, in his phase of his life, he's uh, very focused on uh, giving back. Well, he started this uh, years ago by building an incredible academy for future uh, sport people. And of course, as we know, sport is not only about physical activities, but uh, it is a, a very strong and powerful way to uh, improve people's life and give a chance to uh, all the athletes to build their life around the um, sport, which is amazing. I mean, sport is life. Uh, but now, wants, you not only wants to reinforce the academic and inspiring side, but is also keen to have a very strong role into sustainability, uh, and accelerating uh, uh, the um, uh, electrification of the water mobility uh, because he's, uh, like me, uh, a very uh, big lover of the water. Right. And I think to your point on that, Roddy, that the one thing that I've always loved about Formula One and Formula E as well was 
the cities and the locations where you can do these events. And of course, on the water, you're, you know, 70% of the earth is covered in water, right? So uh, your your ability to host amazing um, championships and races in the water. I mean, you could do it in bays of famous cities. You know, you could go anywhere from Cape Town to San Diego to um, really to anywhere, right? The English Channel, it doesn't matter as long as you've got a place to race the boats and and the water is somewhat uh uh tame i think i think you might yeah. have an opportunity yeah well this is uh, by design we uh, consider ourselves an inshore uh championship world championship and we will be incredibly cl- uh, close to the coastline because as as uh, f- uh, per formula e we want the we want to go to the fans we don't want the fans to having to drive and come to towards us. So we try to be as close as possible to city center or anyway, see places. Um, and uh, we don't need a big surface for our uh, course as it is based on a lot of change of direction more than straight line, which we reckon are not so appealing, especially for the young generation. And uh, we have designed all our sporting philosophy on the basis that we strongly believe and passionately believe that the world is moving from uh, the the pursuit of more power and more speed towards the interest, towards more efficiency and more acceleration. This is what we need to really turn the page and uh, design everything we do in our life in a more efficient way and uh, a more affordable way. Right. No, I agree, Roddy, and I th- I think that's such a good perspective to have. I I wonder will E one be set up similar to Formula One or Formula E, and that you have teams that compete and um and I don't know if you can't talk about it, that's okay too. But uh, are there any teams that have come forward, or is it maybe just in the development stage at this point? Well, in this moment, we have three teams that we have announced. One is Team Venice. Another one is Team Mexico that is uh, owned by Sergio Perez, a Mexican Formula One driver, um, very strong, working uh, for uh, driving for Red Bull Racing, uh, who last year won the championship as a team uh, and as a driver, his teammate. And uh, and then, of course, Rafa Nadal. In the meantime, we have... uh, other very active conversation, especially after Nadal's announcement, everyone wants to jump in. And so we reckon that we will have at least eight teams when we will start the championship, given the stage of the conversation and negotiations. Uh, and we will allow in the future a maximum of 12 teams for the simple reason that when you join the championship, you buy a, um, a license for the championship, which is uh, 25 year long as uh, we have as we own um, exclusive license and so by uh, allowing uh, team owners to buy uh, and, and own a, a license we reckon this is the best way to have them on board as uh, somehow stakeholders or shareholders so we will all work together to make the championship growing and more and more valuable so that everyone can benefit out of it by an investment and financial standpoint so that's the philosophy and that's where we are i love that and i love the um the location of the teams in the sense that you're not only buying into 
teams having a geographic location and a connection to a country or a region, but also to a brand and to a person. I think that's, um, I think that's brilliant. And I don't know if a lot of, a lot of leagues have really haven't done that, you know? I, so I think that that's, that's fantastic what you guys have done there. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for that. Of course, this has been the result of uh, the conversation that we uh, were having so far. And uh, uh, we end up with this solution, which is a very flexible solution, because I reckon that the most important reasons why someone joins uh, the championship needs to be around the racing and sporting aspect. So because they found it an exciting uh, uh, series, world series, and the sustainability and the innovation, uh, the technology innovation side of it. So these elements need to lead and rule uh, other elements can be um, negotiated and can be changed in a very flexible uh, in a very flexible way right well i i just think it's fantastic what you're doing and and you know i'm curious on the performance of um of the boats of the race boats so this idea of sort of agility and being able to accelerate um and again, if you can't disclose any of this, but I'd just be curious, what's the performance like? Is it um, in terms of whether it's defined in horsepower or whether it's defined in acceleration, what kind of numbers are we looking at for a typical, um, you know, uh, E1 race boat? Um, so let's, our target was to uh, hit 50 knots, okay? Uh, which is about uh, 95 uh, kilometers per hour, if I'm not wrong, in the region of 70 miles per hour. Um, and we we hit this target. So actually, we went above 50 knots. In terms of lateral G, we, uh, for the moment, but we are still uh, uh, pushing and understanding the limits, uh, we um, are in the region between 1.5 and 2 G, lateral G. This uh, boat, race boat, is capable to have very tight corners, so incredibly agile and drivable. Um, 50 knots to the here to the ears of uh, power boat fans uh, will not sound like uh, a massive top speed. And uh, the reason why we started from this is because, of course, we first need to validate the technology, the process, so the procedures more than process. And uh, we reckon that being so close to the shores, uh, we couldn't go any faster. Um, in the meantime, and in parallel, we know that Formula E, when they started 10 years ago, they started from a top speed of 200, 220 kilometers per hour. And now they are close to 350 kilometers per hour. So. There is a journey, there is a roadmap. Again, I'm not too uh, nervous about the top speed because the level of acceleration that we have with our boat today is already uh, absolutely out, um, higher, much higher than any other race boat uh, in the world, just for the nature of the technology. And I want to. I would like to stick very close to the shores, to the coastal area, and be close to the fans. So for us, it's more important the agility and the acceleration, longitudinal lateral acceleration of uh, of our race race vehicle uh, more than anything else. Right. You know, and I love that, and I I think you're really onto something there. And I think you know, as you mentioned, your research 
uh, and your sort of purpose plays into that because you're right. If it can be closer to the shore and these beautiful locales and, you know, with groups of people watching and you're watching people, uh, you know, the best drivers in the world, you know, uh, with their agility skills and, um, and their, uh, the ability to accelerate, you're right. Because in many ways it's like driving because when you're on a highway, you're not going to acceleration maybe as you're doing an on-ramp or, uh, to a freeway or a highway, but you're not going to be hitting 200, you know, miles an hour or 200 kilometers per hour. You know, it's really the acceleration. That's the excitement. So I think, I think it's fantastic. And then, uh, the name of the boat you guys came up with was race bird, right? Correct. I love that. So <laughs> I love that. So, uh, Roddy, maybe just about, uh, maybe about uh, 10 minutes more if you can, and, and maybe close with a couple questions. One is um, sort of starting with how did you get into sports and did, I know you started out as a, as really sort of with this idea of being, you know, an aerospace engineer, did you ever have an idea that you might get in to sports and then maybe close with the idea of what do you sort of see the future of sports looking like to you? Well, I have to say I've, I practice in my life um, a few sports uh, and I love the sport world. I mean, I think, again, sport is really uh, my medicine, if I may say. I mean, today, I mean, even if uh, I'm uh, getting older and older, but I still try to practice some sports, some fitness, uh, uh, play tennis, uh, do uh, play polo, play a lot of stuff. And um so i i really like the lifestyle around the sport and uh when i started my career of course in nasa was a, such a fascinating journey and i mean if i think about all the application that i've been through from those days to today i mean of course it's a, such a cool environment in the meantime uh having the chance of uh, living the sport lifestyle and in the meantime working in Ferrari at the cutting edge of the technology to be tested in on a sport platform to then be transferred in commercial use or high scale um, high volumes applications I found it not only good fun very cool but also meaningful because of all the learning on the technology side and really understanding very quickly and prototype very quickly a solution in order to understand if there was more uh, efficiency, more uh, excellence in the service or in, or in the product. So for me, uh, again, I've always been very attracted by the sport, but I always uh, wanted to uh, see this through the, go the lens of... Uh, of the engineering and the and the technology, uh, and trying to enhance as much as possible the human machine interface, which I found another uh, fascinating field, which is so important. Think of surgeon, think of uh, healthcare, think of uh, so well even car, uh, road cars, and people, moving people, transport. So this is all uh, under the huge umbrella of a human uh, machine interface to make to get the people people's life better. I love that. In terms of the future of the sport as an industry, I can only see growing and flourishing. 
um, more and more we are uh, in strong need for entertainment, for enjoyment. People who understand the uh, macroeconomy say that we are going to live some tough time in the next few years because of uh, many reasons, geopolitical resources. Uh, I have to say there is also an impact coming from uh, the transition to electrification, which is not going to come for free in terms of economics, but also in terms of pollution. Unfortunately, we will have we will have to pollute a bit because we will do mistakes uh, before becoming really sustainable. And this is at 360 degrees. So for all these factors that may introduce uh, some frustration, sport is a unique opportunity to still pursuing efficiency, but while providing enjoyment to the fans, to the people, and to the stakeholders of the all the different industries that are involved in this journey. So uh, again, sport is life. Uh, sport is going since forever, since at least 2000 years or more uh, from the Greek time. Or again, if I, I have mentioned Polo, the oldest sport in the world, that's I think from uh, 400, uh, from the 400 uh, AC. So uh, sport is going forever. And I think sport as an economy uh, will keep growing and flourishing. Actually, I've read recently an article saying that there is an increase, an increase of 10% in sponsorship in, in, uh, as a trend in the last two years. So if you have some money, I will definitely bet it on the sport industry. I love it. Roddy, I, you know, takeaways from our conversation. And again, I appreciate your time is sport is life. That is one of the greater quotes I've heard in a long time. Um, and, uh, and, and amazing one. I agree with you. I, I think the development of human performance and machine performance and the combination of those is a fantastic thing. Um, if we can manage it and, and, and make it useful for folks, but I really appreciate your time. I wish you nothing but success and I will be following very closely with E1 and um, and hopefully we'll be able to get out to an event uh, at some point soon. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciated uh, your invite and your time. And uh, yeah, let's stay in contact and uh, we will uh, update you uh, very soon with pleasure. Well, looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks, Rowdy. Bye. Bye, everyone. All right, everybody, that was uh, Roddy Basso and the CEO and co-founder of E1. So look forward to uh, seeing that uh, uh, be launched here uh, in, the, in the coming uh, months and years. And uh, again, appreciate Roddy's time. So thanks again for listening in. All right, folks, thanks again for listening in. That was Roddy Basso, the CEO of E1. Thank you for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. The show has been brought to you by Bet Online. We'll look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.